So it will be uh, helpful, I think, if you have the Psalm, Psalm 98 uh, open in front of you. It's sort of small enough to take in, in a sense, in one, uh, one focus on the page. You don't sort of particularly need to work your way uh, through it verse by verse, but it's, uh, it's uh, a good psalm for us to uh, just draw our thoughts together. It's one of uh, what, what are called the, the Exodus Psalms. Uh, Jeff uh, alluded to this last, last week uh, in the psalm. Why, why, um, why are they called Exodus Psalms? Um, I, I was wondering at one point whether I'd slightly drawn the short straw coming sort of the, at the end of the series. Because actually, if, almost take it, almost any verse in this psalm and you'll find it's been covered or something very similar to it has come in one of the previous uh, six or seven psalms that we've been uh, looking at. So I've, I've been sort of sitting a little bit on tenterhooks each Sunday evening these last few weeks thinking, uh, you know, are they going to cover all the points uh, of Psalm 98 by the time we get there? But uh, so I've, it's perhaps a slightly, slightly different uh, approach. And as I say, there's always something fresh uh, in the scripture that uh, we, can, we can dig into. Um, they are calls, calls to worship, particularly these psalms, uh, reminding uh, that uh, the people of Israel of the, the kingship of God, the Lord reigns, the Lord is king, is, is, a, is a constant uh, refrain. And the, 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 the people of Israel would have used these psalms in, in their worship, uh, and perhaps, we don't know for sure, but perhaps like at the Feast of Tabernacles when they remembered how, how God had led them uh, through those, those years in, in the wilderness, uh, they would have remembered all the good things that, that God had uh, done for them. But uh, why, uh, what, what sort of um, hints have we got that, that these reflect back some of the, the Exodus events, the bringing of the people out of uh, Egypt um, and eventually... Uh, through tortuous journeys, bringing them in, into the promised land. And, and you'll find, I think, uh, particularly in the psalm we're looking at today, that there are reflections like of the, uh, the Song of Moses. You remember when um, finally uh, the Lord had worked a great miracle to bring, uh, to bring the, the, the people of Israel, they brought them out of Egypt, and they were being chased by Pharaoh and his chariots, and they'd come to the Red Sea, and uh, miraculously the Red Sea had been divided, and uh, Moses and the people of Israel had crossed, and uh, once, once they were through on dry ground, uh, the waters closed in again, uh, thwarting the, uh, the chariots and the, the army of, of Pharaoh. And uh, in Exodus 15, we have a record of the Song of Moses. That, that was an event which called forth a song of praise for what God had done. And um, you'll see... Um, see echoes of our psalm, or our psalm perhaps is looking back to uh, Moses' uh, song of, of, of praise and thanksgiving. Um, like he says uh, in, in Exodus 15, Moses sings, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, the horse and his rider, its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, he has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Uh, and again, your right hand, O Lord, with majest was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. 
in the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. And you you can see echoes of of that in, in Psalm 98. And you can even almost make out a case that uh, the, the, the writer of these psalms was actually sort of working his way through the events of, of, uh, of Exodus, the bringing out of, the, uh, bringing out of Egypt, uh, the coming to Sinai, as, as again, Jeff mentioned last week in, in last week's psalm, Psalm 97, there are sort of echoes of the, the thunder uh, and lightning and darkness of, of Mount Sinai when, when God uh, met with Moses Uh, just glance back to Psalm 97 and look like at verse 2, clouds and thick darkness, righteousness and justice, fire goes before him, lightning lights up the world. You've you've got some of these echoes of these dramatic events of God meeting with his people in in different uh, circumstances. So these Psalms were particularly there to help the people of Israel, to remind them of all that God had done for them, to remind them of God's greatness uh, and how he had acted to save them. But our psalm in particular, Psalm 98, has a a much wider um, range of focus than just the people of Israel coming to worship God, doesn't it? It brings in really the whole of of creation, the nations, the peoples, uh, even the the, the sea and the rivers um, somehow joining in. In fact, it's difficult to know who that, that, that first line of the psalm is addressed to, sing to the Lord a new song. Um, doesn't say who he's talking to, but it's almost as if he's talking to the whole uh, of creation to say, look, uh, the Lord is doing new things. There's something new to sing about. Um, let's all join in this uh, together. Nobody should be left out. Um, so while, while uh, it was particularly used by the people of Israel, that certainly wasn't the, the limit of its, its focus. Um, all of God's creation is involved And I think there's a reminder here to us as as the people of God of today. If you've come to know the Lord and you belong to him and you belong a part of his family, here's a reminder that um, that world out there is something in a sense that, well, it's something that we're part of, uh, whether it's the whole of creation, uh, whether it's the communities we live in, whether it's, you know, whether it's the the nations uh, of, of the whole world. We as God's people have, have a place within that whole uh, panoply of God's creation, that whole breadth and wonder and greatness of all that God has made, all the people that God has made, uh, all the, 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 the scenery and the mountains, all those wonderful things. We're part of that and we have a place in it. And as God's people, we have a very special uh, place in it that we'll uh, come perhaps to look at a little bit uh, more of. So here's, here's a psalm that broadens our vision, if you like. Uh, not just in church on a Sunday evening, but God's out there. God's all around. God, uh, wherever we go, uh, we can take, uh, we can be the people of God in that situation and bring a particular perspective into these different uh, situations. So, a reminder that uh, we, have, we have a new song to sing to the King of Kings. So, I just want to take um, sort of two aspects, really. In, in this psalm, we have some declarations about God, about who God is, the kind of God uh, that we have. We have, uh, if you like, in that case, we have uh, um, uh, uh, a theology. We have statements about God, declarations about God. And then uh, later on we can look at our, our response to that because this psalm is all about God's character and how we respond to what God has done, to who God is and uh, we, we bring our worship to him in the light of who he is.
We don't just look at uh, theology and leave it at that. That may be very good for winning arguments or feeling smug like the Pharisees. Uh, but if theology doesn't lead us into worship and praise, uh, then it's, it's, it's a dead thing. And similarly, if, if we're just worshipping without any basis of who we're worshipping, without any understanding, any knowledge of God, then that can be just empty and can just focus on ourselves and saying, you know, focus on our own situations. So we need both the theology, we need to understand who God is, what his values, what his character uh, are, uh, but we need to reflect that back to God in praise and thanksgiving as we respond to his, his love and his faithfulness. So let's first of all look at uh, declarations about God. What does this psalm have to tell us about his character, his values, who he is? And the first one I want to take is, is to say that God communicates. Now that sort of may seem a very obvious, uh, a very obvious thing to say. But you can see in this psalm, what it, it tells us... Um, Like in verse 2, the Lord has made his salvation known. He's revealed his righteousness to the nations. And then down again into verse 3, the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our Lord. God is a great king. He's, he's, He's king of kings. He's the king and lord and master of the whole creation that we see around us. And yet he's not distant. He has uh, come to help us to understand who he is. He has not left us in the dark. Uh, the, people in, uh, the people of Ghana, um, most of the, the people groups in Ghana, and I would imagine in, in many parts of Africa, they, they have a belief in an, an almighty God, a mighty creator, uh, one who is powerful, uh, and yet he is one who is distant. Uh, he, he, is, he is so remote that in a sense he does not concern their everyday lives. And so they're much more tied up in uh, keeping on the right side of the, of the local gods and the local spirits. And, and the mighty God, the creator God, whom they recognize, is somehow too far away to, to concern them. And they have, they have different um, stories, different legends, uh, about how this, how this came about. One of them is um, the, the Ashanti people in the center and south of Ghana, the, the Ashanti kingdom, um, have a story about um, uh, a Biriwa who sort of represents sort of Mother Earth, really. This uh, wife and mother uh, seeking to feed her children. And uh, the, the staple, one of the staple foods in Ghana is, is fufu, which is pounded yam. And they have big, uh, a big pestle and mortar. Uh, and they'll put the... the, um, uh, the uh, the, the, the millet or the, the uh, maize, whatever they're making their fufu from, into the millet and mix, mix water in it. And they have a, a big pestle, which you know, can be sort of this sort of height. And they're pounding and pounding and pounding. And you see the women, sometimes you can get three women around one pot, all pounding in time. Quite amazing, bang, 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 coming in in, in, in sync from every direction. Meanwhile, there is somebody uh, with their hand in the pot, actually turning the... Um, turning the, the, uh, the, the blob of dough over uh, in between strikes. And, and you could do get a number of people with uh, deformed uh, fingers because they've not quite got the timing right. But the point of this story is um, that the, the, the Ashanti people say that um, this was uh, Mother Earth, if you like, a Biriwa, uh, was busy having to, to feed, to provide for her children. She's pounding and pounding and pounding. 
and uh, God up there in the sky uh, is fed up with this pestle hitting, uh, hitting the sky all the time and, and disturbing him. And eventually he gets so fed up uh, with this disturbance from Mother Earth down below, uh, pounding and lifting the pestle up and, and hitting, uh, hitting his residence uh, that he goes off in a huff. And that's, that's their explanation for why God is so distant. Um, I gather at that point, uh, Mother Earth then tries to uh, get her way back close to God by getting several uh, mortars together and piling them on uh, top of each other to see if she can get up close, a bit like the Tower of Babel. Um, but we don't have a God like that. We don't have a God who is remote, who is inaccessible, uh, who cannot, uh, cannot be reached. Uh, he has made himself known. Remember uh, Paul when he was visiting uh, Athens and uh, he's going around the town and he, he sees a, an altar to the unknown God. And uh, he goes to them and says, uh, this, this God I, uh, that I've seen that you're, you're trying to worship or you're putting a statue up in honour to him, uh, this one whom you ignorantly worship, you don't know who he is, uh, but I'm going to proclaim him to you because he has made himself known. God has made himself known to us. And you can see it uh, here that he's made uh, his salvation known uh, and revealed his righteousness to the nations, not just, uh, not just to the people of Israel, not just to us sitting in church this evening, uh, but he has made his salvation known. He's, made, he's revealed his righteousness um, to, to, to people uh, throughout the world. His character is there for all to see. He's king of all the earth. And uh, Paul says in Romans, doesn't he, that, that, you know, that people can see enough in creation to know something of God's goodness and his provision and his greatness, uh, but they choose uh, not to respond to it and, and to find out more. And uh, yes, in, in verse 3, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And if you remember, uh, when, when God was getting a bit fed up uh, with, uh, with the people of Israel in the wilderness and he says, I've had enough, um, I'm going to turn my back on them and get rid of them and Moses uh, I'll start with a new people. I'll, I'll start all over again. And Moses says, no, God, you can't do that. Think of what the nations around would, would think of you. Think of what, what the, they would just pour scorn on this God of, of Israel who was unable to, uh, to, to see them through. And so he's, he's saying that uh, the way in which we as the people of God uh, relate to God has an effect on, on those around us who, who watch and see uh, as to... Uh, how, how we are. We have God's revelation uh, both uh, in word and in deed. I was um, uh, thinking about this when, when Wellesley was preaching this morning from Acts 17. And uh, it, it is both in word and in deed. Um, he talked about Acts 17 where Paul goes into the synagogue and opens up the scriptures and explains uh, the truth about God from the scriptures but then he also referred back to Acts 16, uh, where the jailer is affected, not, not by preaching from the word, not initially anyway, but by seeing God at work uh, in, a, in a situation where, where Paul and Silas are, 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 are released. The, 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 the prison, the chains are broken and, and they're set free. So it was through seeing uh, the power of God at work that he was touched. And so... Um, 
The second thing we come on to then is that God, God acts. He doesn't just tell us about who he is uh, in, in, in word, in scripture, but he acts. He shows what kind of a God he is. His, his character is shown in acts of, of deliverance, of salvation, of judgment. And, and the two things that come through here are his, his holiness uh, and his power. Uh, in verse 1 there, he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. So we were coming, uh, coming to church this evening in, in the car. Judy says, why does it say his right hand and his holy arm? Um, and uh, well, I'm not sure I... I know that, but except other, other than the fact that Hebrew likes to sort of put things in pairs and to uh, build on one thing by, by adding something else. But I mean, his, his right hand is, is a picture of his, his power, uh, his might, his authority. Uh, his holy arm, I think, reminds us that he always acts uh, in line with his character. Um, there are there are songs, I think, that say something like, you know, that there's nothing that God can't do. Well, that's true, but, but God will never act uh, against his character. He will always, his deeds, his acts, uh, are always a reflection of who he is and the values that he has. So his revealed word um, ties in uh, with the things that he does. So we see him at work. His character is, is shown in the way that he, he acts. Um, so we don't just have a, a sort of a list of abstract characteristics that tell us about who God is and what he values, but we see it actually worked out in situations, in history, in practice. We see it worked out in our own lives very often. Uh, and we know that God has been at work. Um, it's interesting that um, right at the beginning of the Ten Commandments in, in Exodus 20, um, that they are introduced by God saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. So before he gives them these, these ten commandments, um, he's pointing them back to see, this is what I've done. This is the kind of God I am. I've brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I've brought you into a new life. I'm bringing you into a new land. Uh, and uh, so he's, he's reminding them that uh, he has the power the authority and, and the concern, the involvement in his people to do uh, in, in accordance uh, with his character. Well, what, what, would the, what would the people of Israel have been thinking about when um, they sang this kind of a, a psalm and thought about uh, he has done marvellous things, his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him? Well, I think almost certainly, primarily, they would have been looking back to God bringing them out of Egypt. That sort of is the big uh, salvation event, if you like, in the Old Testament, bringing them out of slavery, out of, out of, uh, out, out of uh, being in, in Egypt's power and bringing them into a, a new life, into a new land uh, to serve God uh, in, that, uh, in that situation. So certainly the, the redemption from Egypt, bringing them out of Egypt, that would have been in their minds. Probably this psalm would have continued to be sung after they came back from uh, the uh, exile in, in Babylon. As they returned to Jerusalem, these psalms would have been sung by them at their feasts, Feast of Tabernacles perhaps in particular. So they would have been looking back to rescue from, from Babylon, uh, coming back from, from exile. Uh, his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation. 
work deliverance um, for him. And it's interesting, isn't it, that neither the, the rescue from Egypt nor the bringing back from exile was anything to do with Israel's power or strength or ability. It was all God at work on their behalf. Um, we, you know, we all know the story of the bringing out of Egypt and the, 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 the plagues and the, the, the Passover uh, and, and the Red Sea and so on. But, but also bringing them back out of Babylon was not because the people of Israel now were strong enough uh, to exert their rights and come out, but it was because God was working behind the scenes to change, uh, change the ruler, change the sort of political climate, uh, to change the whole approach uh, to release uh, these, uh, these, these captives uh, to go back to their own land and, and for things to develop in that way. So it was God at work, his right hand and his holy arm uh, intervening in, in human history. And, of course, we ourselves can look back to that, that great uh, intervention of God, for God so loved the world, what? That he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God acted in accordance with his character, in accordance with his love. So let's uh, move on to the next thing that we see about God. It says here that God has remembered his love and his faithfulness. It always um, interests me talking about God remembering. I mean, would God be God if he ever forgot anything? Um, so what, what does it mean when it says God remembers? Um, and we, we know that in God's graciousness and his mercy, he chooses to uh, wipe out the record of our sins. In that sense, I suppose we could say he, he forgets um, the record of our sins and he removes them as far as the east is from the west. Thanks be to God. Um, but so when, when we read about him remembering, it's very much geared to his, his love, his faithfulness. <coughs> it's, um, it's talking about this sort of uh, commitment, this covenant relationship that God has uh, with his people and which uh, certainly the people of Israel very much clung to, um, <clears throat> that God, God is a God of, uh, of the covenant. And although they were often unfaithful to that covenant, uh, yet God remained faithful. He always uh, was committed uh, to keeping that covenant of love. And even the very word for love, the word used here and throughout scriptures, um, hesed, is, um, is a word that goes much deeper. It's the bane of translators, I would have to say, because it, it has so much sort of wrapped up uh, in, in its meaning. Uh, the, the authorised version translated it as loving kindness. Uh, really, it means sort of covenant love. It means loyalty. It means commitment. It means faithfulness. It has all these uh, ideas wrapped up in it that... Uh, we can't really find a single word for um, in, in, in English, uh, certainly not in Kassem either. Um, but all of that, that um, covenant faithfulness, that loyalty, that commitment that God has for his people is wrapped up in these phrases of God remembers, uh, he's remembered his faithfulness, he's remembered his love to the house of Israel, particularly because they were his, his covenant people. But then it, then it spreads out, doesn't it, beyond the people of God. Uh, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So God remembers. <clears throat> and then uh, finally, in our, in our looking at the, the um, characteristics of God, God judges. 
God's love is not sort of wishy-washy saying, well, everything will turn out fine in the end. It's a love based on values. It's a love based on commitment. And God doesn't drop his standards in order to accommodate us. He knows our waywardness. He knows our weakness. Uh, He knows um, our difficulties. Um, And yet he's there to, to nurture us and to help us. And that, too, means making, uh, making judgment. Our, our waywardness needs to be dealt with. God's not going to lower his standards just because we find it difficult to keep up to even a, a fraction of them. But in God, we're reminded here, aren't we, that mercy and justice meet together. Right at the end of the psalm, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. He judges with fairness, he judges with equity, he judges uh, with mercy. And uh, acknowledging God's standards uh, brings benefit to us, it brings benefit to society. There's been a lot of talk, hasn't there, about well, what, what's caused all these, these riots, what's caused all this lawlessness, um, breaking into shops, and so on. And when, when God's standards are ignored, it, it's amazing, isn't it, how thin the layer of, of, of the, the veneer of restraint is that can so easily be broken. So God's bringing people back uh, to God's standards uh, is good for society and good for our environment. The Lord reigns. The Lord is king. And uh, acknowledging his kingship, acknowledging his values is good for everyone. So, God communicates, God acts, God remembers, God judges, God judges. How do we then respond, respond to that? As I said before, theology, our understanding of God needs to lead to a response, needs to lead to worship. So just three, three things about, I think, how we can respond to God. First of all, we, we praise God. That's what we've been doing this evening in much of our Our singing have been uh, songs of praise uh, and acknowledging who God is. And I think expressing praise is very powerful. As as Sally said, you know, what a part music has played in her life, different kinds of music. And I think, as as she said, you know, the poet needs to write poetry, the artist needs to paint. And I think we we all need to find ways of expressing our our praise, our thanksgiving to God, whatever, whatever gifts, whatever strengths, whatever skills God has given us, we can use those to reflect back to God our praise and our thanksgiving. The, the focus of this psalm is very much on, on singing and shouting. And uh, glad it says shouting there. They don't all have beautiful uh, soprano voices. Um, but we can make a noise to the Lord one way or another. And that, that can, that can bring, bring praise, uh, praise to him. And in whatever way it may be. Quite a lot of instruments mentioned here. Um, using our musical abilities uh, to, to bring praise back to the Lord. The harp, the sound of singing, trumpets, the blast of the ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord the King. One absentee is drums. No, I'm not, I, li- I, like, I like the drums. Um, I would actually challenge you, Lyle, here's a little bit of homework for you. See if anywhere in the scripture you can find any mention of drums or any percussion instruments. I was quite surprised, actually. There's tambourine. Sorry? 
Well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll follow up on that. We won't, we won't take a sideline now. I mean, part of the problem is that some of the Hebrew words, actually people are not quite sure what they understand, what they actually meant. Um, I mean, I'd be very surprised if there's not some kind of percussion in, uh, uh, in heaven. Um, but uh, you won't find very much mention of, of, uh, of um, percussion instruments um, in the scriptures. Um, I'm quite happy to allow that there may be one or two that have crept in there. Um, but expressing our praise is a powerful thing. And I think what we're doing is we're, in a sense, we're sort of bouncing, as, as God has met with us, we're sort of reflecting that back to God in a way that's appropriate and in a way that helps us to express that uh, back to him in whatever way it may be. And we can say, yeah, thank you, God, that you communicate to us. I praise you that you, you've met with us. You've, you've, you've shown us who you are. You've made your salvation known. Thank you, God, that you act in power and uh, in love and faithfulness. Thank you, God, that uh, you've remembered uh, your love and your faithfulness. You're always there. Thank you, God, that you have standards uh, and uh, that you judge in fairness and in mercy uh, according to those uh, standards. So we praise and then we, we enjoy. I think we, we uh, uh, as the people of God, we can enjoy uh, creation around us, the earth, the sky, there's that uh, song, isn't it? I meant to look it up, but uh, earth, uh, sky above is brighter blue, earth below is deeper green or something. Something lives in every hue Christless eyes have never seen. I think uh, as Christians, as we see God's handiwork around us, we have a greater capacity perhaps to uh, in, enjoy that. I don't know what, what, how you feel your relationship to the world around us uh, is. As Christians, we know uh, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Uh, but we can enjoy the journey. Many of the psalms were sort of pilgrim psalms, weren't they, as people were travelling up to worship Lord. And as, as we travel to the heavenly Jerusalem, uh, we can enjoy that journey and we can appreciate the surroundings, whether it's uh, joining with others, walking along the banks of the Thames, uh, or, or whatever it may be, whatever we enjoy doing. Um, the world's not my home, but I can enjoy the pilgrimage. I can enjoy the, 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 the blessings along the way. And uh, we have a God-given capacity to enjoy that beauty. I'm not saying we should all go out and hug a tree or something, but uh, we, we, can, uh, we can see the trees and uh, reflect that as thanksgiving to God. And uh, thirdly and finally of the, the things that we can do to uh, bring our praise back to God. I can say we, we garden. Um, now, we're not all Charnocks or Stedmans. Um, and what I mean by this is we, 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 we don't just enjoy uh, what's around us, but we tend, we, we care for, uh, we, seek to, um, you know, we seek to react responsibly. Uh, Adam was given the responsibility of, of, of looking after the earth, of, of caring for the land, and in effect, in effect we, we reflect uh, that, uh, that value. And it's also a reminder, I think, and I think it does come through in this psalm, uh, you know, why, why is the sea and, and the rivers uh, joining in this praise to God? And uh, we, we read in, in Romans chapter 8 that all of creation is, is groaning. Creation has, if you like, suffered through the fall. Things are not as they should be. Uh, things, are, things are running down. Um, and creation itself is longing for the day 
uh, when, when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And so I think if, if, as we relate uh, to the world around us, as we re- relate to creation, uh, we can be part of, of tending it, whether, it's, whether it is gardening, uh, maybe you hate gardening, um, but there's other ways in which we can show that we care, we care for God's uh, creation around us. And uh, <clears throat> so as we, as we just bring these uh, threads uh, to a close, uh, this psalm is, is a reminder of, of who God is, but also how we can respond uh, to, to him and to his character by praising him, by enjoying the creation that he's put around us, by tending, by, by taking care of that creation, being, if you like, being environmentally uh, sensitive, um, not destroying, but seeking to nurture uh, the creation that, okay, is running down and one day uh, will be totally renewed. As the children of Israel would have looked back to the rescue from Egypt, perhaps from, from the uh, return from, from exile, we, we have an, an added viewpoint uh, as, as God's people today uh, by looking back at uh, the uh, sending of Jesus uh, into the world and um, we see, as this reminds us of, of, of the king who reigns, uh, we see the, the king born in the stable. And we rejoice at God's marvellous deeds and his acts of deliverance and salvation wrought through the Lord Jesus Christ. We remember that the king riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And echoes there even of, of uh, Jesus saying, well, you know, if, if I keep these people quiet, even the very stones would cry out in praise. Um, and here we see the, the rivers clapping their hands and the seas resounding uh, to God's greatness and, and all that he's doing. And uh, also, I think this reminds us that we, even, we, we look forward to an even greater renewal, an even greater new song uh, that we will be one day singing uh, in heaven. It's not just looking back to God's acts of deliverance in the past, but it's looking forward uh, to that great future um, act of, uh, of redemption. And I'm just going to close by reading um, a few verses that, that remind us of that, and then we're going to go straight into singing um, our closing hymn, which is Joy to the World, which you may think of as being a Christmas uh, hymn, which, which it is, uh, but it was, it was uh, written by Isaac Watts. Not, it, it's his um, reflection as a Christian on Psalm 98, on this psalm. And I think he didn't write it with, Christi- with uh, Christmas in mind, but he looked in terms of uh, what was coming, what we still had to look forward to. Um, because he says, doesn't he, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse uh, is found. So I'm just going to read these few verses, reflect on them. Um, as you listen to them, and then we'll go straight into singing uh, our closing hymn. So from Revelation, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And again, the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever.